Welcome to Strategic Growth Council, a podcast about strategic growth and mergers and acquisitions for the middle market. If you're interested in learning more about organic growth, growth by acquisition, or the sale of your company, this show will be interesting or useful for you. And if our guests do a good job, maybe both. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you to our sponsors, Aclaro Growth Partners, a strategy consulting firm serving middle market M&A. Visit aclaropartners.com and Strategic Growth Council, the Peer Advisory Council slash roundtable slash mastermind group for senior execs and business owners who are contemplating acquisition or a sale or just plain old strategic growth. Strategic Growth Council collaborates with participants in the M&A ecosystem, such as private equity groups, lenders, investment banks, and service providers, all collaborating to make M&A happen. Visit strategicgrowthcouncil.com to learn more. All right. Well, with that long intro out of the way, every episode I interview an expert or a participant in the world of strategy growth and M&A. And today I'm joined by Gerald Radican of Veritas Financial and Rick Scruggs of Financial Designs. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So these gentlemen collaborate to help businesses with exit strategy planning and, and a lot more than that. But we're here to talk about exit strategy. Um, and there's a lot to think about in terms of prepping for the sale of your business personally and from a business continuity standpoint. And that's that's what we're here to learn about today. But first, uh, 30, 60 seconds background. We'll, we'll start with Rick. Okay, so uh, Financial Designs is a private advisory firm that serves the private and family business market. And we work on the issues of continuity, succession, transition, and exit planning. And hopefully most of our clients want to exit with 10 toes down instead of 10 toes up. However, it does require for, require planning. Uh, it's not an overnight event. And time is something that we all have the same amount of, but how we allocate it to plan for our businesses that we've started, whether it was five years ago or 25 years ago, is critically important. And Rick, I understand you've been in this industry for two or three years now, right? I'm Correct. just kidding. Correct. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're celebrating uh, 45 years serving uh, the private and family business market. Wonderful. Wonderful. Great. Thanks, Rick. Uh, Gerald, how about yourself? Yeah. So uh, I'm founder of Veritas Financial. It's a financial services firm, and we really run in three lanes. Our, our, our core lane is the, the comprehensive planning and device-driven um, market. Uh, and then we're flanked on one side by the wealth management and the other side by protection. Uh, I personally spend most of my time working with the small, closely held business owner owners, either privately held or in, in the family business marketplace, uh, along with their executives. Also, you know, several years back, uh, along with several others, I helped create Legacy Advisor Network, which we refer to as LAN. And that's a collaboration of about 18 different practices across the country that serve the small to middle market uh, place for the business owners for succession and exit planning. And Rick and his team down in Lynchburg are part of the land network as well. 
So, Gerald, just elaborate a little bit for our uh, our our listeners, private equity groups, and business owners, and so forth on on land. The the relevance there is that you provide more a broad line suite of services that you that any one individual uh, financial planner, advisor, exit planner uh, would have access to in one one fell swoop. Is that correct? That, that, that's one hundred percent correct. And think of it more as these smaller boutique firms like Rick and, and, and firm in Veritas, but across the country. Yeah. That specialized okay, in this marketplace. Kent, one of the keys is today is collaboration is the key to success. Uh, historically, the allied professionals, whether it was accounting, legal, banking, operated in silos. And as one of our good friends, Gerald and I have, out of Lubbock, Texas says, silos have no windows. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, <clears throat> so if you're a, a lower middle market business, uh, a company with no prior exposure experience with a sale, um, no exposure to anybody in the big world of investment banking, or even somebody like yourself, a uh, wealth manager, exit planner, uh, personal financial planner, um, with with you, you have a long track record of history of helping business owners get ready to sell. What what are the reasons that they might contemplate working with you? What what are the benefits of doing that? Well, first of all, it, it, selling a business is not a natural process for an entrepreneur. Yep. Uh, building the business was their entrepreneurial seizure and something that came more naturally to them. They didn't see it as the risk that mo most other people would view it. Uh, the key, though, is you have to have time on your side because you don't get a chance to hit the reset button. If you make a decision, that becomes irrevocable. And selling your business is an irrevocable decision. Um, there are serial entrepreneurs, but the vast majority of clients that Gerald's firm and our firm works with, they, they built this, they've raised this company up to its current uh, status. And they, they impact the quality of life in their communities in which they're housed, the employees that they um, hire and who work for them and all their customers and clients. So most business owners also do not have a clear idea of what the value of their company is worth. And they're not aware of the arduous process that they might have to go through to recognize the fair market value for their enterprise. And so you mentioned fair market value. There's a, there's obviously a lot more to it than that, but that's a, a good place to start. Is that is that one of the key areas of confusion, concern, disconnect? Uh, what the value of the business is, or or uh, or are there other issues where there's a, a sort of a disconnect uh, in your experience? <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll I'll start and then turn this to Gerald. Uh, there's something called blue sky value, and that's this uh, wished for value that every entrepreneur, business owner feels that their business is worth. Unfortunately, until you dig into the financials, till you go through whether it's an auction process or you just have a strategic buyer who wants to buy that firm, even if there's some things that are not so attractive to the company, um, there's always a there's always a gap between what the buyer wants to pay and what the seller wants to receive. And so you have to have good financials. You have to have a great management team. 
But at the same time, you want to maintain a high level of confidentiality because if it gets out on the street, a customer, a, a client's customers can get nervous, employees get nervous. So again, it's not a natural process for a business owner to go through. So time is critical. Having a team of advisors is critical to the process. And Gerald, yeah. I think you've got some comments there. Well, yeah, I'll talk more about the team in a second. But, you know, Kit, to your, to your question about valuation, it's interesting. I saw a survey from EPI, which is the Exit Planning Institute out of Cleveland we do a lot of work with. Um, they're talking about a survey they did where they, they said 56% of the business owners felt they had a great hand on what their valuation was, what that number was. But less than 18% had ever actually done evaluation within the last five years. Wow. So it's very interesting. It doesn't matter what the seller thinks. It's what the buyer is willing to pay. Right. So there's a huge Absolutely. gap there. It's a huge gap. And to Rick's point is when we really drill down into it, they're very, you know, owners want to overvalue it all day long. And so it comes, it needs us and the team to come in to help level set that and create some realistic values there. Yeah. I, I, I want to talk about timing, but uh, first of all, just to acknowledge yeah, at the end of the day, uh, it is all about money. It's all about value. It's all about what you can get. I mean, after all, you know, why would you sell your business if you weren't trying to maximize shareholder value? That's the whole purpose of a business is to maximize shareholder value. But I think, uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't just point out that there are a lot of elements that tie into the value of a business that even business owners aren't necessarily thinking about or preparing for. And some of that has to do with succession and, and management and articulating processes, <clears throat> uh, strategies, and so forth. So in, uh, in my experience as a consultant, that comes into play a lot. But uh, the, next, the next topic has to do with timing. And you mentioned, you, you mentioned that five years was the average time frame, I think you said, from when they'd actually uh, thought about or, or gotten a evaluation. What is a good time frame for a business owner to start beginning the planning process to sell their business? So, you know, in terms of exit planning, you know, one of the most common important questions any business owner can ask is just that, Kit. It's when should I start actually, you know, my, my business or start the planning? Much has been written about the time to do that is the very first day you start your business. You should start talking to exiting. Now, recognizing that rarely ever happens, um, we tell clients, look, the longer the runway you can give us, the better. Five to seven years, ideal. Less than five years, not ideal. Obviously, the shorter the time period, the lesser options and strategies that we can implement and watch them come to fruition and work. The biggest problem we see with business owners and the biggest mistakes that we see them make is they don't allow enough time for this runway to occur. Someone comes and says, I want to get out in 18 months or 24 months. There's very little we can do for them as opposed to someone says, I got a five to seven year window. Right. Okay. You'll find this interesting. So when we ask the question to these business owners, like when they want to exit, the most common answer is going to be, Oh, about five to 10 years. And I say to them, I go, let's, let's look at five years. Let's just do some quick math. Right. Five years is the same as 1,825 days. It's the same length of time, right? But if you have a major future goal, right, that's five years away, um, doesn't matter if you say that it's 1,825 days away versus five years. Well, apparently it does. No. Well, apparently it does. 
because there's <laughs> psychologists have shown there's different surveys and and white papers on this that when people are told uh, about their goal in a certain amount of days versus years, they are far more likely to take action immediately. Right. Yeah. In that same survey I'm referring to, they talked about um, parents of newborns that need to start saving for college. And when they were presented the information that college started in 6,570 days versus 18 years, um, four times likely more were people starting their planning when they put it in. Data. Yeah, that's interesting, Gerald. <clears throat> and that makes sense. I mean, five years is sort of ethereal and nebulous and it's sort of out there on the horizon. But when you put it in specific number of days, we, we all know what a day is and it gets it gets a lot more real a lot quicker. Right. And look, I'm the same way. You know, someone says I got I've got a month to do something right. It's chances are it's going to get done in a month. If I said I got days to do it. I get it done. So I, I think I think that to put a bow on that, the sooner you get started with your exit planning, you know, the greater the likelihood of success of this happening. And I, I'm going to bounce around a little bit here. And Rick, Rick, maybe you maybe you want to take this one. I don't know. Either of you is fine. Uh, you, you, when you're talking about five years or one thousand eight hundred and thirty four days, whatever that was, it just feels intuitively like, uh, you know, a long, long time to be doing something, you know, planning for something, articulating something, uh, creating something, five years. Um, give us an example of something that, that a business owner needs to be worried about, thinking about, planning for. <clears throat> so, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a great start, stop, continue, start, stop, continue. Life is going to get in the way of everybody, every business owner, uh, today, we've got you know, supply chain issues. We've got uh, increasing costs. We have inflation. We have employers trying to retain people, attract people. So the meeting that was set two weeks ago for tomorrow gets postponed tomorrow morning because there's a business fire that must be put out. So invariably, all of a sudden, you look, and it was 45 days ago that there was the last meeting. I mean, it's not like you're meeting every day, every week for hours upon hours. You're trying to stretch it out because you need to feed the owner with information that they can absorb. And it typically takes five, six, seven, eight, nine times for somebody to, to read that information, ask good questions, because ironically, the valuation looks at historical financials, but the buyer is looking at what's the future and how predictable will those earnings be. Right. And so when you look at through a rear view mirror of your car, you can't see a whole lot. What you want to be looking through is the windshield. So you've got a much clearer vision of what's the opportunity, where the potholes, et cetera. And you got to get everybody on page. Um, the spouse today has become one of the most trusted advisors for the entrepreneur. Uh, doesn't doesn't replace the CPA who has a good handle or the best handle on the financials, but it is get, gets back to this whole concept of collaboration. Mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't want to have your uh, heart surgeon do heart surgery without the anesthesiologist, scrub nurse, the second in command. That would probably not be a good outcome. Right. And, and Rick, just following up on that, I mean, the topics that we're thinking about, the topics that we're working on 
are tax related, they're management or HR related, um, process, operational improvement related, making sure you have a clear marketing strategy. Um, wh what am I missing or, or what is the most important of those? Well, it's, it's due diligence. I mean, that's what an investment banker, if they're representing a, a seller, they go through a, a, a checklist to make sure that everything's been covered. Like you mentioned, marketing and operations and human capital. One of the keys is, are the key employees linked and tied to the company? Because if you're the buyer, you certainly don't want to close on Friday and on Monday morning, half the management team is exited. Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably not a good strategy. And people talk about taxes. Ah, taxes aren't a big deal. Well, uh, we've come across a number of clients recently who have been given significant offers for their business, but they can't take it because of some poor tax planning that was instituted years ago that will take a minimum of five years to unwind. Interesting. Well, five yep. years, that, that's like a galaxy far, far removed from this morning. Right, right. That's a good point. Um, so, Gerald, uh, what um, does it vary by size? I mean, if, if we're dealing with a small company, you know, maybe a million dollars of annual profit, would your recommendations be different for that company than for a company that's, uh, you know, generating 20 times that, that amount of profit? Or is it all pretty much the same process? No, it, it's not at all. Um, you know, and while the, you know, the broad topic might be the same in name, whether it's exit planning, key employee retention, compensations related issue. Every situation is going to, you know, it's going to vary. It's going to depend, much like Rick said, you know, earlier on, like, depend on size of company ownership, tax status as an S corp or C corp. So one size does not fit all. Um, you know, the, the, our, our internal processes probably do, but the suggestions are going to vary across, you know, industries, specific gotcha. size of company across the board. I'll give you an example also is, you know, if we're dealing with a company that's a lifestyle business, we're certainly going to approach that differently for shutting it down or selling it uh, in a different manner, as opposed to if someone was looking to grow uh, and monetize it at the end for you know a multiple. Um, Rick and I were talking about this the other day that you know times have changed. You know, business owners no longer need to uh, stay with the company and die with their boots on, right? Uh, some owners might see. They want to get out of the business, but they don't want to sell because it's too valuable. So in that scenario, Kit, they'll go from owner-owner to owner-investor. So they may just take a seat on the board and collect a check. Uh, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of a lot of owners that think they understand all their options out there, but they don't. And so when we talk about you don't have to sell internally, externally, you can take a seat on the board. The light bulb goes off. The thought bubbles go off. And uh, the conversations start and they start to get real. And so, and, and that's where it gets fun. Um, family businesses, uh, family owned businesses, they're, they're a different animal altogether. Not that they're, right. any, not that they're any easier. They just got a, you know, different set of movies. You got another layer of dynamics going on. Yeah. It, it reminds me always, the, the good story is having lunch a couple of years back with a good friend who was a very successful biz, uh, second generation family business owner said, I need to get out back to the office by 1.30. Got a really big meeting today. And I said, what's it about? He says, I need to fire my president, which is never fun, never a good day. And you could just tell the angst was building and building as it got close to that time. 
Next day, called him up and said, hey, how did it go? I was, I'm thinking about you. He said, not good at all. Really was horrible. And I said, what happened? He said, I called the president in, let him know we had to let him go. Told me he needed to go clean out his stuff by the end of the day. And went off and did that. A few minutes later, I went down just to go check. Check on him, see how it's going. He's on the opposite side of his desk, slumped over, head down, shoulders up. Yonan went over to him, put his hand on his shoulder and said, son, don't worry. Mom and dad are here for you. We'll get through this together. Right? So, you know, it's a different dynamic. Fire not only the president, but his son. So, right, right. So when you say does the, the, the process or suggestions vary, absolutely they do. No situation yeah. the same. Yeah, absolutely. That's really that's really a compelling uh, story, and I could see it going in the other direction too, where the son is having to fire the dad. That happens a lot. Well, I think it, that would be a lot more complicated too. <laughs> it, it does, but if you think of a, a, a traditional one, is where you might have a husband and wife that are, had this company, second generation, third generation, whatever have you, and then they have kids. Some are involved, some aren't. Then it starts absolutely time for the conversation of estate equalization and how to pass assets on. And they want to treat all the kids equally, but that means some are going to get some of the business, some aren't. So all the dynamics, I mean, we, we play financial shrink yes. more than, more than that's we a, think in this, in this marketplace. That That's a really good point, Gerald. And, and I just want to, you know, again, call out those business owners that might be listening that are in a, a family uh, ownership dynamic, or, or for that matter, just any business owner, where you're looking at the business, it's lonely at the top, right? I mean, there's nobody necessarily to turn to on your management team that you can talk to about succession, that you can talk to about selling the business, preparing to sell the business uh, until you know the time is right. And there's certain ducks that have to be put in, in place before you feel comfortable sort of opening up the kimono and, and talking freely with uh, either family or management about that. And so who do you turn to? Um, you know, one one resource, uh, selfishly, I'll put in a plug for Strategic Growth Council because it's a it's a peer advisory network. It's a it's a council, it's a roundtable, a group of of peers that are sharing um, lessons learned and insights. Uh, but people like Gerald and, and Rick as well, they've been there, done that, advised countless companies on on the process. And uh, you know, they're 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 independent and uh, don't necessarily have a vested interest in in helping you, whereas your wife or husband will, uh, your accountant probably does have a vested interest. So uh, it's nice to have a, a third party. Um, I'm, I'm wondering about, and we sort of touched on a few of these lessons learned, best practices, you know, case studies. I al always like to kind of think of it in in the, the opposite context of what do you not do? What, you know, do you have any good stories? about a, a, a something that went awry or, or, or something that, that went particularly well? Uh, kid, I, I think of, there's a wonderful book called The Checklist Manifesto by Atwa Gwande. And it, it's the idea that you need a checklist and yeah. you, you got to make sure you check it twice. And you want, you want the, the business owner and partners to talk to other owners who've gone through the process. Just let them hear some of the battle scars. Um, when you're dealing with private equity and groups who buy these companies, they're some of the smartest people in the universe. They don't make too many mistakes. They're the ones who put the provisions in these documents to protect themselves. And they call them clawbacks and, and other features. So you can't afford to have 
your business owner client pay the tuition for somebody who hasn't doesn't have the experience. I That's mean, a good way to put you, it. You, you need to have a deal attorney who's done literally 50, 100, 500 of these transactions because the, the, the buyer is really smart. So I, I think of a, 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 a private business that it's been 10 years because he was waiting to find out whether one of his adult children wanted to get involved in the business. His brother wanted to see whether one of his adult children wanted to get involved in the business. Two of their siblings who were involved in the business died during that time period. Huh. Um, they had offers that were made. And then when they were both going to the altar to put on the ring, the buyer changed the price. So it, it's, it's an ironclad process. It's eyes dotted, T's crossed, and, and experience truly, truly matters. Absolutely. All right. Good. Well, um, I'm wondering if, if there are any uh, case examples that you could share or, or if not, um, you know, what, what should a business owner be thinking carefully about with regards to retaining a service provider such as yourself? In other words, you know, you don't just type in exit planner or, or whatever um, and, and grab the name that's, that's closest or most familiar. Um, what's what do you think about when you start to hire somebody like yourself well, I, i'll think of a client that we worked with a very successful company started in the 08 recession in the middle of it mm. borrowed a bunch of money but these two guys were bright sharp uh, salespeople and operation people and we were working on all the succession planning we brought great legal counsel to the table they already had a great cpa firm that was doing their their numbers felt very confident and we were going one direction that seemed to appeal to both owners and a company called the largest private equity firm in the country flew in on a Friday afternoon, said, we'll buy you, we'll buy your stock, we'll pay cash, we'll close in 60 days. Well, somebody threw a wrench into the gearbox. Whatever that initial offer is, rarely is that what's going to come to fruition. It took five months for the transaction to actually close. You mean it took longer than 60 days? Oh yeah. <laughs> and the price changed a little bit. They didn't buy the stock, they bought the assets. Uh, now, then the owners were also required to keep some of their proceeds in the transaction. Yeah. And then they had contracts to stay on board for about two years and inevitably, what we've experienced is owners can stand at about 12 months because it's no longer their company. It's not being run the same way. It's either been aggregated with other like uh, companies. Aggregation is a big deal today. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have yep. investors who have very specific numbers that they want to see returned on a timely basis. And historically, a lot of private and family businesses were not run. They were run to be profitable but not at the same level of specificity that the new buyer has. Yeah, makes sense. And so, uh, you know, if I'm thinking about selling my company and I want to hire somebody like yourself, experience matters. Um, and, and having been there and done that and have different levels of experience in different industries, different sizes of business, as Gerald was pointing out, um, all of that helps. And, um, and having been 
kind of a coach and a counsel through that process before um, you, you, I know you guys are well, well placed, well suited to do that. Now, how do you differentiate? Um, there's obviously, you got a lot of competition and, uh, and Gerald, to your point earlier with, with the land concept, uh, there's an awful lot of independent uh, service providers with very specific niche skills and capabilities. Um, you guys are pulling together a collection, a collaboration of different services, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but how do you differentiate? Yeah, I, I think you just said it. It's collaboration. I mean, when you look at the definition of what an exit plan states, it's you know, it's a comprehensive roadmap to successfully exit you know, a privately held business. But when you look at the guts of it, you're asking and answering all the business, the personal, the financial, the legal, the tax questions involving selling a business. You better come to the table with a strong team and a strong um, diversity of, of subject matter. And, and that's what we do. I, I, I would say the one thing that I find, Kit, that really differentiates us is we run a personal financial plan parallel to a business plan every time we work with the business owners. And we come in often and to find out no business owners have really done a personal financial plan. They don't know what it costs to be them. They don't know how much is enough. So we take the long-term approach because once you exit, there's life, there's a new chapter, there's life after that. What does it mean? And that's where the personal plan takes a long-term approach to it and gives them the permission slip to maybe back into what number they need to take. That's a good point. That's a good point because at the end of the day, the value of the business is really the maximum of what one, two, or more bidders are willing to pay and nothing nothing else. And you don't know what that number is, but knowing what you need to get to live comfortably, um, that's 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 where the rubber hits the road. Um, and and you know, I'll just share a, a funny story. A friend of mine recently retired, and he said, uh, "You know, Kit, do you spend more money?" On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, or do you spend more money on a Saturday or a Sunday? And I was like, "Well, I guess I spend more money on the weekend." And he said, "Well, when you retire, every day is a weekend, you know, and you, you end up spending more money than you ever thought about because every day is like a weekend." <laughs> and uh, that was kind of eye-opening for me. So, kid, I, I think that's that's good advice, and I, I also believe that you you you're you're holding a crucial conversation. Gerald's firm, our firm, our members of land are really there to ask the tough questions because the stakes are high. There's usually some emotional components. And if you got more than one owner or even you've got spousal involvement or family involvement, you're going to have different opinions. But if you can't ask those crucial questions and sit back and listen. So I think we're great listeners. Our idea is not to say, here's the solution. Now, what's your question? Right. So if we can ask the questions that are that help people think, and sometimes they can put people off a little bit, but we found that that's what we do really well. And that's part of that differentiation that you asked earlier. Why, is our, why are our respective firms able to serve the client? It's because we want to listen first, ask great questions, and the solutions come at the end. Yeah, I was just going to say, you, you, you talked about listening well, and I wanted to make sure the listeners here understand that I know you guys, I, I know you are fantastic listeners. I can speak from personal experience. But in order to be a great listener, you have to know what, what the right questions are to ask. And that's, 
the secret sauce here is knowing what to ask. And as you said, some of those questions can make uh, can make people uncomfortable, but that's part of the process. And that's why it takes, as you said, it may take five years. Um, so, you know, a couple of things I'm going to toss out at you, um, and you can take the, these in any order, but you know, challenges that you're facing in your industry with your businesses, opportunities that you see, you know, goals that you have for your businesses. So that's that's sort of you kind of lump all that together. Um, or I mean, we could go in a different direction, and that is any big lessons learned for our listeners that we haven't had a chance, anything else that you wanted to share that we haven't had a chance to get out there today? Well, I'll, I'll start and then turn this to Gerald. One of the things that's catching people off guard when you're working and got your not, nose to the grindstone, you you forget, wait a minute, when I exit, I might have 30 plus years of life expectancy. People are gonna spend as many years retired and every day is that Saturday you just mentioned, Kit, as they spent building the firm, because most entrepreneurs don't start their companies at age 22. They've gone out and done something else. They might have built it over 30, 35. So life expectancy is another issue. There's health concerns today that impact people's decision making. Mm -hmm. And you know our challenges are finding people who have those skills, not just the, the math skills or the tax skills, but have the people skills to listen and, and be willing to share stories and take those emotional risks to expose the Achilles heel that nobody wants to talk about. You know, it's so the, if I, el the elephant in the room. Yeah, that's great. And, and Rick, if I could just make sure I uh, captured correctly what I think I heard you say is it's relatively easy to find somebody with the technical skills to do what you do, the knowledge of advising companies and exit planning, for example. But it's hard, especially today with the great resignation, it, a challenge for your business is having somebody with the people skills to be able to not only ask the right questions, but then listen and deal with that awkward silence that might happen and then sort of play coach and counsel and advisor and mentor all at the same time. Did, so, did I capture that? Yeah, you did. And I, we would define that as having an abundance mentality, you know, because when you when you fall into the gap, uh, you're going to miss, you're going to forget about all your progress. You're going to forget about all the accomplishments of running your business. And our role is to keep the client's eye on the prize, you know, keep it focused on true north, which is where do you want to go? Why do you want to go there? Who do you want to take along on the journey? Do you want to still be involved in you know the causes that were part of your business? Because um, you're not the same when you leave. You don't, you don't get to come back as the uh, general or the dictator. You want to exit your client, your business, and be the ambassador. Mm -hmm. Always welcome back on corporate property. Excellent. Gerald, anything to add there, or did uh, we miss anything? Well, I'll take the opportunity. Uh, piece that you, you asked earlier about what we, I believe the question is, what are the opportunities we see in this marketplace? And I'm going to go back to that EPI readiness survey, because I'm, I want to, I want to read to you some of the stats that came from that. So this again was the state of owner readiness survey, which was gauging the level of exit preparedness for the, for these, these 1200 business owners that they surveyed here. Two-thirds of the owners are not familiar with all their exit options. 
right? That's and they're they're acknowledging that, so it might it might even be higher. They all, they also found seventy eight percent had no formal transition team. Eighty three percent had no written transition plan. Forty nine percent had no had not done any planning at all. Ninety three percent have no formal life after business plan. What do you do in the next chapter? Yeah. Right? Wow. There's Interesting. There's a reason that, that uh, another survey I saw that 52% of the baby boomers that sold their business regretted it within the first 12 months. They didn't have an after plan because that was their world. And the baby boomer right. generation exactly. worked you know, 16, 17 hours a day to get it going. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple other stats in here. 40% had no plans in place to cover illness, death, or forced exit. Uh, and then the last one you heard me say earlier, um, earlier was 50%, 56% felt that they had a good idea what their business is worth, but less than 18% had ever done evaluation. So yeah, within the last two years. So why these... And what was the date of that survey? Any idea? 18, 2018. So, okay, thanks. So while those numbers are alarming to me, and Rick as an advisor, it also creates a huge opportunity for us. It's just a yes. very underserved marketplace. Right. And so yep. when you look yep. at when you look at the exit planning market, it is a really a, a win-win proposition. And what I mean by that is if you have a well-designed and implemented exit plan, it's a very powerful and valuable tool for the business owner. Right. It allows them to achieve their, their business and personal goals. It helps them facilitate the retirement and control the when and how behind it. Uh, so it's a huge value to them. So the advisors like Rick and myself, there's also a ton of value. Because Rick will tell you, mm-hmm. by the time we get someone from A to Z in our planning process and our in, 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 in the, the exit or succession or whatever process we take them through, it's a long runway. And by the time we're done, we have deepened and strengthened those relationships like no other relationships that we have. So they yeah. really become their trusted advisor. And it's it, it's really difficult. I mean, from personal experience, it's very difficult to educate the audience or to tell your client this is this is how much better you're gonna feel. You can't you can't quantify that. But at the end of the process, that that weight off of shoulders and the, the acknowledgement and recognition that wow we're we're prepared we're ready no matter what happens we've got this it's a great feeling. Yeah, Kent. One of the things that Gerald said earlier was having a roadmap. You know, preparing that roadmap for the client so they can find the the mile markers along the way. Gerald and I talk about this frequently. It's also I think we we make the process fun, not necessarily ha ha stand up. But so that the client recognizes this is not a torture. This is not going to be arduous because the single best investment that most owners ever made was starting that enterprise. And so the the part that was always missing was maybe the transparency component, because most owners hold it pretty tight to tight to the vest. Their CPA knows the numbers and maybe their uh, CFO or controller and what Gerald said is we use a, our reference list is we, we tell a new potential client, please call the president, the CFO and ask, call at least 10 of them to ask, you know, was the process what they thought? Did it meet their expectations? That's great. And, and was it fun? Gerald? 
kid, I'll, I'll add to that. I don't say this with any moxie, but being a trusted advisor, I mean, and, and taking people successfully through that that journey, we create raving fans. That, mm-hmm. and, and those raving fans want to introduce us on a very feral basis to their other friends or other business owners. Yep. It's, so it's all about the experience. And I, I know I know how passionate you've been with your clients about creating an experience that's positive. Yeah. Yep. That's good. So we're, we're going to need to wrap up because we're just about out of time, Rick. But I, I'm going to give you uh, the last chance to weigh in here, Rick. Uh, I, w- I want to know how how listeners can support you. I mean, you you've provided valuable insights here. How can they contact you and um, um, well, other websites yeah, to share? Certainly, so, certainly go to our website. They can go to the Legacy Advisor Network website, contact Veritas. And one of the things that Gerald and I recognize is the vast majority of these businesses are owned by baby boomers. And there's going to be this $60 trillion wealth transfer that's taking place over the next 20, 25 years. It will go unsuccessfully for a lot of people if they don't take the time to think, have somebody ask them tough questions and let that advisor sit back and listen and let the advisor bring together a team of all-stars to do the best planning to have the best outcome because that outcome has to last 30 years or more or it can be multi-generational for 100. Yep. Gerald, uh, how how do you recommend that our our listeners uh, get in touch with you? We can provide our information to you, our websites. Again, Veritas um, website, the, the Legacy Advisor um, website as well. But okay. the, the old school always works too. If the phone call is free. Is there any questions? Yeah. Any thought bubbles go off? Pick up the phone and give Rick or myself a call. All right. Rick Scruggs and Gerald Radican, thank you both. I, uh, I appreciate your time and your wisdom and insights here today very much. And um, I'll, I'll add uh, a comment that I uh, just read uh, something that I think Warren Buffett was talking about, given the uh, current state of the economy and, and inflation that, uh, you know, business owners spend a lot of time thinking and planning and, and worrying about their, their investments outside of the, the business. But frankly, their single largest investment is in themselves. And, uh, and there's no better time than an inflationary period to really focus on yourself, invest in yourself, uh, invest the time and energy, work on the business and not just in the business. And Gerald and Rick are extremely well suited to to help you do that. And as they said, it, it takes a while. It takes a while to do it well and to do it right. Remember, absolutely. Thank you both. Remember, visit strategicgrowthcouncil.com for all of our episodes, past podcasts, and follow us on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts and put us in your listening queue, review the show, and give us a good rating. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by HeartCast Media.